This is Commission President Hamdi Mohammed convening the regular meeting of February 27th, 2024. The time is now 10.31. We're meeting in person today at SEA Conference Center and virtually on Microsoft Team. Presented with me today are Commissioners Calkins, Cho, Fellaman, and Commissioner Hasegawa may be joining us virtually. And we are currently gathering in the executive session room awaiting the opening of the public meeting. We'll now recess into the executive session to discuss three items that would take approximately 60 minutes. Two items are related to litigation, potential litigation, legal risk per RCW 3230-110, section 1I. And the third item is related to acquisitions of real estate per RCW 4230-110, section 1B. We'll reconvene in, into public session at 12 p.m. Thank you. We are in recess. This is Commission President Hamdi Mohammed convening the regular meeting of February 27, 2024. The time is now 12.02 p.m. We're meeting in person today at SEA Conference Center and virtually via Microsoft Teams. Clerk Hart, please call the roll of commissioners who are in attendance. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Here. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Hasakawa. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Present. Thank you. We do have a full commission here today. Great. Thank you. A few housekeeping items before we begin. For everyone in the meeting room, please turn off your cell phones to silent. For anyone participating on Microsoft Teams, please mute your speakers when not actively speaking or presenting. Please keep your cameras off unless you are a member of the commission or the executive director participating virtually, or you are a member of staff in a presentation mode and addressing the commission. Members of the public addressing the commission during public comment may turn on their cameras when their names are called to speak and will turn them back off again at the conclusion of their remarks. For anyone at the dais here today, please turn off the speakers on any computers and silence your devices. Please also remember to address your request to be recognized to speak through the chair. Please wait to, to speak until you have been recognized. You'll turn on your microphones on and off as needed. All the items noted here will ensure a smoother meeting. Thank you. All votes today will be taken by the roll call method so that it is clear for anyone participating virtually how votes are casted. Commissioners will say aye or nay when their names are called. We're meeting on the ancestral lands and waters of the Coast Salish people, with whom we share a commitment to steward these natural resources for generations to come. This meeting is being digitally recorded and may be viewed or heard at any time on the port's website and may be rebroadcasted by King County Television. Please stand or join us for the Pledge of Allegiance now. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States.
Thank you all. The first item of business today is approval of the agenda. As a reminder, if a commissioner wishes to comment for or against any items on the consent agenda, it is not necessary to pull the item off of the consent agenda. Rather, a commissioner may offer supporting or opposing comments later in the meeting once we get to that part of the agenda. Please wait until the motion to approve the agenda is on the floor for these comments. However, it is appropriate at this time if a commissioner wants to ask questions of staff or wishes to have a dialogue on a consent agenda item to request the item be pulled for separate discussions. Are there any items to be pulled from the consent agenda or any motions to rearrange the order of today's meeting? Great, hearing none, we'll move forward. Commissioners, the question is now on approval of the, of the agenda. Is there a motion to approve the agenda as presented? So moved. Second. The motion has been made and seconded. Is there any objections to approval of the agenda as presented? Hearing none, the agenda is approved as presented. We do have one special order of the day today, and that is our proclamation honoring February as Black History Month. This is agenda item number 4A, Senior Commission Executive Assistant Mr. Preston Tucker will be introducing the proclamation reading and joined by members of the Port Employee Resource Group, Blacks in Government, who will read the proclamation. Preston, you have the floor. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name again is Preston Tucker and I serve as Senior Commission Executive Assistant. It is an honor to introduce Special Order Item 4A, a proclamation honoring Black History Month, alongside with readers from the Port of Seattle chapter of Blacks in Government. It is a proud moment for me as a black member of the commission staff to introduce this item to the commission. The following representatives from Blacks in Government will be reading the proclamation today. Marie Bell, Blacks in Government chapter president, and Carlina Smith, Blacks in Government chapter secretary. Marie will begin the reading today. Good afternoon. Whereas black history is American history and throughout every stage of the US, Black Americans have led the fight for equity and justice, reshaping culture and laws towards a multiracial democracy that was promised at the founding of this country. And whereas centering racial equity and specifically our commitment to confronting anti-black racism at the Port of Seattle sets an intentional strategic focus that will allow us to develop structural approaches to address all forms of oppression and to advance our inclusion and belonging values as a public agency. And whereas our vision is to develop a port that mirrors throughout its breadth of operations and services and within its leadership structure, the diversity of our community instills principles of equity in its culture and ensures a fair and intentional distribution of opportunities with the goal of expanding economic development and quality of life for all. And whereas the Port of Seattle acknowledges the profound impact of black leaders on the legacy, history, art, and economic fabric of King County, recognizing their invaluable contributions remains paramount with a special focus during this Black History Month 
on prioritizing the elevation of these local heroes. And whereas established in 1993 at the Port of Seattle, Blacks in Government, BIG, is an employee resource group, ERG, dedicated to advocating for equal opportunity, eliminating racism and discrimination, and promoting professional development for Blacks in Government during Black History Month and throughout the year. And whereas in 2005, the Washington State Legislature House of Representatives renamed the county to Martin Luther King County. And in 2007, council member Gossett led the campaign to adopt the King County logo featuring Martin Luther King County, making it the sole governmental entity in the nation to showcase Dr. King's likeness in its logo. And whereas the Port of Seattle Commission took action in November of 2020 to establish Juneteenth as a port paid holiday, cementing the importance of Juneteenth, otherwise known as Black Independence Day, and celebrated by the port under the leadership of BIG since 2003. And whereas the theme for Black History Month 2024 is African Americans and the arts. This theme highlights the influence and innovation of African Americans in all fields of art, including music, dance, theater, visual arts, and literature. And whereas the arts have and continue to provide an avenue for expression and visibility for black voices of those who have historically and currently been underrepresented, unseen, diminished, and silenced. And whereas our region boasts world-renowned artists like Musicians such as Jimi Hendrix, the Black Tones, jazz and blues singer Ernestine Anderson, musician and producer Quincy Jones, painters James W. Washington Jr. and Jacob Lawrence, artists Barbara Earl Thomas and Marita Dingus, photographer Al Smith, writer Ijoma Eluo, culinary artist Chef Christy Brown and Ariel Bangs, and home to the Langston Hughes Performing Arts Institute and the Black and Tan Hall. And whereas in 2004, Hamdi Muhammad's election as Commissioner President marks the first time in the port's 112 year history, um, history that a woman of color, specifically a black woman and immigrant holds this position. And whereas the Port Commission and BIG are proud to present Eddie Rye with a Lifetime Achievement Award to recognize Mr. Rye's inspiring decades long track record of activism and community organizing on behalf of black people in Washington State and beyond. And whereas the Port of Commission and Brig are proud to present Christy Brown with a Business Excellent Award for her business's outstanding community impact and inclusive business practices. And whereas the Office, is, the Office of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion was established in 2019 to recognize the cultural shift at the Port of Seattle by identifying and addressing the root causes of inequities and promote fairness towards equity and anti-racism and does so in partnership with big and other ERGs. And where and my whereas is just going too far, excuse me. <laughs> and now therefore the Port of Seattle Commission hereby proclaims February as Black History Month, honors and commends the recipients of the Lifetime Achievement and Business Excellent Awards for their commitment to advancing advancing equity for all. Proclaimed by this by the Port of Seattle 
this 27th day of February, 2024. Thank you, Ms. Marie and Shayla and Mr. Preston um, for the reading. We appreciate you being here and the important work that you all are doing to recognize Black History Month. I will now open it up to my colleagues for any uh, comments. Really quickly, Shayla yes. is on her way. You'll see her later. I'm Carlina. Carlina. Oh, see, I'm reading off my script. No worries. <laughs> Carlina, thank you so much Welcome. for being here. And I hope that Shayla can also join Shayla. us in, in person or or virtually. Um, I will open it up for any, all right, let's make the motion first. Is there a motion and a second so that we can open up uh, for comments and, and discussions? So moved. Second. Great, the motion was made and seconded, so I will open it up for any commission comments at this time. All right, so which of, the, which of these guys are gonna go first? I, I just <laughs> wanna really thank you it's quite a few whereas is it's a very educational uh, effort and it's one of the things I really love about these resolutions that cements the importance of these recognitions so that we all can better appreciate the contributions of all of our communities make to this area and I've really appreciated the contributions Preston has made to our office most directly but the fact is that uh, the contributions of black America has been huge and I think finally well recognized and I appreciate the port being part of that, so thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Commissioner Cho? Yeah, I just want to echo those sentiments. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank uh, our senior executive assistant, uh, Preston Tucker, for all the work that you do in our office. It came to my attention recently that I think Preston is actually the first uh, black person to serve in the commission office in a staff, full-time staff capacity. And so I appreciate you setting that precedence for us and, and, and breaking barriers. Really, really do appreciate you, Preston. And I know my colleagues join me in, appreci in my appreciation. Uh, and also, lastly, to BIG. Uh, one of our strongest and best ERGs uh, at the port, you all lead uh, our organization in so many ways. Uh, every year, you step up to pr provide us with these amazing proclamations. Um, but not only that, I know that you are leaders amongst the ERGs as well. Uh, and, and that ha speaks volumes uh, given the many ERGs that we have here. Uh, you know, I always enjoy participating in your annual MLK Junior Ball. Uh, I had the honor of speaking at that a few years ago. Um, and, you know, I just love to see the continued growth of the community. And I certainly hope uh, that we can continue to see that going forward. Happy Black History Month. Very proud to, of this organization and all we've done to promote equity, diversity, and inclusion. Uh, and this is really just one small piece of that. And so thank you for all your work and your advocacy. Uh, thank you to all the port employees and quite frankly, all those who are part of the port ecosystem that may not be directly employed by us, uh, but continue to contribute to the great work that we do as an organization, as an institution. We're all very proud. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. Commissioner Calkin. Um, I, I know that proclamations like this tend to be um, celebratory and positive. Um, I also uh, think of these as moments where we're creating uh, bulwark against backsliding. Um, I think we're in a moment right now where uh, rights are being removed from people in our society. And so uh, we need to think about ways that we can prevent that kind of backsliding from happening. and whether that's for black Americans or women or for LGBTQ members. And 
part of it is just education and acknowledgement. And so we sit up here and we learn these things through these proclamations and we highlight aspects of our history, positive and negative, uh, in part because we don't want to forget. And so I think it's really important we do these proclamations around Black History Month and other uh, notable uh, elements in the year uh, so that you know my kids don't ever think they can stop fighting for this stuff. So uh, I'm strongly supportive of this, really grateful for President Muhammad's leadership, um, and I'm going to resoundingly vote yes on this. That's great. Um, Commissioner Hasegawa, and then I'll come back to you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Thank you all so much. I'm hoping that my audio is coming through right now, but I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, thank you to everyone for um, put in work on this proclamation, and thank you to Preston for that amazing introduction. Thank you to both of our presenters for that beautiful reading, and thank you to President Mohammed for your leadership. Each year, I look forward to the reading of the Black History Month proclamation, and it's truly a joy to be in this work alongside all of you. Um, happy Black History Month. I look forward to being in person soon. Thank you, Commissioner Hasegawa. It's good to see you. Commissioner Fellman, you had an additional comment. Well, I did feel it was important to recognize our president a little bit more directly and the contributions that she's been making and making sure that this proclamation received the attention it did. But since it's focused on art and music, I just wanted to impart a quick personal connection. So when I was in graduate school, I bartended at night to pay for the school a bit. And so Ernestine Anderson opened up her own little bar. It was very short-lived, but it was like a living room type setting. And to have Ernestine Anderson, the fact that I got paid to work for her was like out of this world. But one night, Richie Havens played at, at, the, at the bar. And so I just thought I died and went to heaven. And the fact that they paid me to do it was one of the greatest pride moments of mine. So thank you for black history allowing me such a privilege and I just want to share that moment with you. Thank you. Thank you. That's a that's a great story. Executive Director Metric, do you have any comments? Uh, thank you, President Mohammed. I'm gonna recognize your leadership on this and all the commissioners for uh, doing this and uh, President for bringing the proclamation forward for Marie and Carlina for that incredible um, reading of that. And I think going through those items to say so so great in the proclamation to cover all those things and, and the contributions of black Americans. You know, from inventors to scholars, artists to actors, business leaders to presidents and other political leaders, and advocates of equity and social justice, African Americans have made history for our country and enriched our society. Black History Month is an opportunity for us to honor these experiences and the roles of African Americans have made in shaping our nation. Uh, the port continues to strive to become a model for equity, diversity, and inclusion. And to achieve that goal, we must acknowledge the racial oppression and deeply rooted racism in our nation's history and continue to work every day to combat systemic uh, racism in all of its forms. And I look forward to joining you in, in the reception later, celebrating Black History Month here at the airport uh, conference center following today's uh, commission meeting. So thank you for the opportunity to speak to that. Thank you. Thank you, Executive Director Metric, and thank you to all of my colleagues. And I just I echo those same sentiments, and I just want to specifically say thank you to Big Blacks in Government. As an organization, it's been inspiring to see your leadership at the Port of Seattle and 
the work that you all have been doing has paved the way for people like me to be here. And I will also give a lot of credit to my colleagues. Um, when Juneteenth was adopted as a paid holiday, I was not on the port commission. That was done before I joined the port. And so there has been a commitment from this organization, from this particular commission, to making sure that we're uplifting the voices of all people and that we're an organization that is inclusive and welcoming. And I love this year's uh, theme. The Harlem Renaissance is the one that comes to mind for me, um, being able to see what happened in the 20s and the 30s and how music has evolved. And then seeing how where Renaissance is today with anyone that knows me knows I'm a big Beyonce fan. <laughs> and the Renaissance tour happened this year. You know what it did for our airport? It was a record-breaking year for the airport, and it was a record-breaking year for the region when it came to the amount of people that traveled here, stayed at hotels locally, and were um, you know, coming together, uh, um, enjoying her music in particular, and it contributed to our nation's economy. It's $4.5 billion that that tour alone contributed to, and that's just another moment where we talk about black history, black artists from Jimi Hendrix, to today's artists like like Beyonce Knowles, Carter, and um, again, I, I thank you all for, for your leadership and the work that you're doing and uplifting the voices and the stories of black people. With that said, I will now uh, ask Clerk Hart to please call the roll for the vote and commissioners, please say aye or nay when your names are called. Thank you, beginning with Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. <laughs> thank you, Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you, and Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for this item. The motion passes. Thank, Thank you, you again Thank you. so much. Thank you. Great. So next on our agenda is the executive director's report. Executive Director Metric, you have the floor. Good afternoon, commissioners. It's hard to believe, but this is the last meeting of February, you know, but here we are, it's, it's here already. I, wanna, I want to begin by thanking you and the port employees who supported Black History Month proclamation and the many events that our port, of, port uh, chapter of Blacks in Government hosted this month and including the reception to follow here. I'm looking forward to the reception. Uh, this afternoon and thank you uh, President Mohammed for helping lead this effort along with Big. Uh, I have a few updates this afternoon before moving today's today's business meeting. Uh, last week along with Commissioner Fellman I had the opportunity to attend the ribbon cutting for the Coast Guard Citation Desk for the Puget Sound region at the Coast Guard Base here in Seattle. Thanks in part to the advocacy of Commissioner Fellman, our work with the Northwest Seaport Alliance and our state's congressional delegation, funding was secured in the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, to expand the capacity of the Coast Guard's vessel traffic service to inform mariners of ways to avoid conflicts with whales. That is what the staff at the Cetacean Desk does. It's not just a desk that sits there, it's a desk that does work. So it's nice to see those efforts pay off in a tangible way to help protect our orcas, humpbacks, and other whales in the region. Also last week, many of you may have saw it, the local news media highlighted the great work of our Port of Seattle Police Department drug interdiction team. The Port of Seattle Police Department drug interdiction detectives focus on domestic and international narcotics traffickers connected to the airport and the seaport. Recently, the interdiction team followed up on a tip and working with a highly trained canine were able to find 150,000 fentanyl pills 
in a traveler's checked bag. And if you saw the photo, the video of it, it was amazing to see that. In its work, the team has found dozens of pounds of fentanyl, uh, methamphetamines, and more. Our police department is working on the front line in the efforts to protect our community from these dangerous drugs. We appreciate the opportunity to highlight their important work. On the operation side, last week the airport managed the busy conclusion to President's Day in the midwinter uh, um, break travel. Between February 15th and, and the 20th, we managed five days with higher year-over-year -year volume than 2023, which tracks with our forecast for 2024 to likely be the busiest year in our airport's history, in our year's airport's 75-year history, as a matter of fact. As a reminder, volume is a measurement of economic activity. Every traveler supports jobs on and off the airport and in the region. I'd also like to remind the public that airport operations is a team sport. <coughs> Delivering that five-star level of service takes partnership with airlines, federal agencies, dining and retail, and transportation providers, and the employees at the port. So thank you to everyone who helped make this first busy weekend of 2024 such a success. We look for more as we move forward through the year. Moving to today's commission meeting, our primary focus today will be the commission order related to sound insulation. And I'll have uh, more to say about that during the introduction of that item. So thank you, uh, President Mohammed. Thank you, Executive Director Metric, for your report. Any comments from my colleagues? Okay, hearing none, we will move on to the next item. We are at the committee report at this time. Commission Strategic Advisor Erica Chung will be providing that report. Erica, you have the floor. Good afternoon, President Mohammed, Commissioners, and Executive Director Metric. I have three committee reports for you. They're all from uh, February 20th. Aviation Committee was convened by Commissioners Hasegawa and Cho, where they were briefed on the FAA reauthorization under consideration by Congress, including items relating to airport operations and impacts on neighboring communities important to local issues. On February 28th also, Commissioners Cho and Fellman convened the Sustainability, Environment and Climate Committee, where the committee was briefed on the community inputs received re with regards to the SCA tree replacement standards an SCA land stewardship plan, and how staff have responded to and incorporated those requests, including public input period, role of equity, and annual metrics. The committee also received a briefing on what will be included in the port's first sustainability report for 2023 that demonstrates progress, successes, and strategies towards achieving objectives and goals and benefits for the public. The performance metrics are tightly aligned with the port's vision, century agenda goals, and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Staff are currently gathering data and hope to publish the report by June of 2024. The committee then re uh, reviewed the 2024 committee work plan and discussed how work in the committee will be prioritized given the breadth of work proposed for the year. Also on February 20th, the Portwide Arts and Culture Board met with Commissioner Fellman participating. The board was introduced to new public board members and discussed the vacant public board member position that needs to be filled. The board received a recap of 2023 and reviewed the work plan for 2024. The board also discussed continued funding for capital projects, including two concepts provided by Ralph Hem Helmick for future board consideration. This concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you, Erica, for that report out. Are there any comments or questions from my colleagues? Okay, great. Thank you again, Erica. I'll move us along. We are now at the public comment section 
of our agenda. The Port of Seattle welcomes and commission welcomes public comment as an important part of the public process. Comments are received and considered by the commission in its deliberations. Before we take public comment, let's review our roles for in-person and virtual public comments. Clerk Hart, please play the recording. I'm going to tie it from here. Yeah. Okay. Just one moment. I'll tie it from my computer. part of the public process, and the Port of Seattle Commission thanks you for joining us. For the efficient operation of meetings and in order to maintain decorum in the meeting room, the Commission has adopted rules of procedure governing public comment and audience attendance. Before proceeding, we will overview those rules for your general information. Each speaker will have two minutes to speak, unless otherwise revised by the presiding officer for the purposes of meeting efficiency, and the speaker shall keep their remarks within the allotted period of time provided. A timer will appear on the screen and a buzzer will sound at the end of the speaker's comment period. The Commission limits comments specifically to items on its agenda and items related to the conduct of port business. If comments are not related to these topics, the presiding officer will stop the speaker and ask that comments be kept to those topics. This rule applies to both introductory and concluding remarks. All remarks should be addressed to the Commission as body and not to individual commissioners outside of the context of action taken in their official port capacity. Disruptions of Commission public meetings are prohibited. Disruptions include, but are not limited to the following. Speaking when not recognized to speak by the presiding officer. Holding or placing banners and signs in the meeting room in a way that endangers others or obstructs the flow of people or view of others at the meeting. Intentionally disrupting, disturbing, or otherwise impeding attendance or participation at a meeting. Refusing to follow the direction of the presiding officer or security personnel. Speaking on matters other than items on the agenda or topics related to the conduct of the port business. Attempting to use the comment time for purposeful delay, including remaining silent or engaging in other activity without conveying a discernible message. Using the comment period for the purpose of assisting in a campaign for election of any person to any office or for the promotion of or opposition to any ballot proposition, except when addressing action being considered or taken by the Commission on a ballot proposition appearing on its agenda. Directing public comments to the audience. Engaging in abusive or harassing behavior, including but not limited to derogatory remarks based on on age, race, color, national origin, ancestry, religion, disability, pregnancy, sex, gender, sexual orientation, transgender status, marital status, or any other category protected by law, 
the use of obscene or profane language and gestures, assaults or other threatening behavior, and sexual misconduct or sexual harassment. For safety purposes, individuals are asked not to physically approach commissioners or staff at the meeting table during the meeting. Individuals may provide written public comment before or after the meeting, and in addition, speakers may offer written material to the commission clerk for distribution during their testimony to the commission. If a meeting is disrupted by an individual in attendance in the meeting room or by an individual providing public comment in person or virtually, the following procedures are adopted. A first disruption will result in the presiding officer warning the individual that the disruptive conduct is out of order and that a further disruption will result in the speaker's loss of speaking privileges. A second disruption at the same meeting or within 90 days after the first disruption will result in a loss of speaker's privileges. The presiding officer will end the individual's comment period and will announce that any further disruption by the individual within the next 180 days will be grounds for exclusion from commission meetings. If additional disruptions occur within 180 days from the loss of speaking privileges, the individual shall lose attendance privileges for commission meetings for 180 days thereafter. This applies to individuals who are in person or attending virtually. If during the three years following a 180-day period of exclusion from commission meetings, an individual engages in another disruption, the individual shall lose attendance privileges for the commission meeting for a one-year period thereafter. Written materials provided to the clerk will be included in today's meeting record. The clerk has a list of those prepared to speak. We are taking comments from anyone who has signed up to speak virtually, as well as from anyone who has joined us in the chambers. When your name is called, if you are joining virtually, please unmute yourself, then please repeat your name for the record and state your topic related to an item on the agenda or related to the conduct of port business. If you're on the Teams meeting and at the same time streaming the meeting on the website, please mute the website stream to avoid feedback. When you have concluded your remarks, you may again turn off your camera and mute your speaker. If you are speaking from the room, please come to the testimony table, repeat your name for the record, and state your topic related to an item on the agenda or related to the conduct of port business. Our public comment period will now commence. Thank you again for joining us today. Great. Clerk Hart, please call our first speaker. Thank you. One moment. I need to pull up in the timer for us here. Okay. Madam Commission President, members of the Commission, we have about 13 people who have signed up today to our virtual, so I'm actually going to take them first before we go into the room, if that's all right. That works. Great. Thank you. So our first speaker joining us virtually is Ann Croker. Ann, please restate your name for the record and your um, agenda item or topic related to the conduct of port business, please. And I think you're muted. We still can't hear you, Anne. It may be your speaker settings. We still can't hear you, Anne. Um, I will come back to you, okay? 
Okay, moving to our next speaker, we have um, Karen Valoria joining us also virtually. Karen, please restate your name for the record and your agenda item or topic related to the conduct of port business, please. My name is Karen Valoria. I am commenting in favor of passing resolution 2024-04. Thank you. Thank you, commissioners, for your time here today. I've lived in the North Highline Burien area for over 25 years. I bring my sons here. I love my neighbors and the easy access to the city and the airport. I would have been there in person because this is such a pressing matter for so many of us were it not for these cold symptoms I have. As an immigrant and a single mother, I was ecstatic about being able to finally afford a home for my family in the Boulevard Park area of Burien over 20 years ago. I knew I was buying a house under the flight path, but I was told I have a port package but the house was what I could afford, and I was told the noise inside my home would be minimal. In the last 10 years or so, I've noticed condensation starting between my double-pane windows. That condensation is now turning into mold, and because of the construction of the windows, I cannot clean between the panes. I also hear planes constantly, just as if I were standing outside. I am planning on spending my retirement years in my home where I deserve to be comfortable and healthy. I do not want to watch the mold slowly creeping and growing inside my own living room. Those of us who live here do not have the discretionary funds to get new window and insulation treatments. Please pass this resolution. It is for the health and safety for those of us living so close to the airport. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Thank you. I'm going to try to go back to Anne. Anne, um, I'm not sure if you were able to resolve your speaker issues. If you want to come on camera, if you're still with us, Anne, um, we can test that. And she may have disconnected from the meeting. So we will turn to the room, um, starting with Mayor Mohammed Egal. And Mr. Mayor, if you could repeat your name for the record and your agenda item, please. My name is Mohammed Igal. Is the mic on? It is. Yes. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, um, Commission President Mohammed, uh, both commissioners. My name is Mohammed Igal. I'm the mayor of the city of SeaTac. I'm also here to force my support for the order or agenda item. 2024-14, which will establish the sound installation, repair and replacement pilot program at the board. In 2021, I have knocked on almost 10,000 doors in the city of Seattle. I have heard from our residents, especially those who live in the west and north CTAG area. They told me that they are passionate, passionate about and want installation a solution for the airplane noise and sound installation and repair program. Commission President Mohammed, Commissioners, CTAG's airport cities 40% of our land mass. 
we are small city, 10 miles wide. Four out of 10 persons who live in our city work in the airport or airport related jobs. These are restaurant workers, warehouse workers, lift and over drivers. Most of them live in this area. A healthy and well rested workers are good business and investment for the board. Um, and order 2024-14 will help workers and residents to be healthy and productive. I know airport is a business, and business, they want it productive uh, stuff. Thank you for your time. I will save two minutes for you. Thank you. <laughs> two seconds. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor Agal. Thanks for being here. And I also know that you have a city council meeting today, so I really appreciate you being here. Um, Clerk Hart, please call our next speaker. Thank you. Um, yeah. Pardon me. I'm actually, yes, Anne, we can hear you. Oh, you can? We can. Please restate your name for the record Hi. and your topic related to the conduct of port business or your agenda item. Oh, I'm very excited. Um, my name is Anne Craigley, and I'm, I'm um, uh, commenting on uh, agenda item 10A, which is the order for the proposed order for the sound insulation and repair and replacement. And um, I was going to say that as a um, resident that has moved to Des Moines, Redondo Beach, uh, in the last 10 years, coming from Bellevue, so we weren't aware of the South King County issues before then, um, it has gotten so loud and low for us there that we are actually physically looking at um, moving because we've reached the age of 70 and we need to have our last 10 years uh, be uh, better ones. But this resolution isn't about it because we understand uh, how bad it can be. And we haven't been here all our lives. We were able to have triple pane windows and they haven't failed. Um, and to not have these advantages to be able to move possibly or to afford the loss of an unsaleable uh, home uh, seems particularly unthinkable as harm that's been caused. And to not have the federal, state, cities, or ports step up for decades and fix these failed insulation packages seems particularly egregious, adding salt to the wound. Um, so to have a solution in sight now with this proposed order uh, and brought to the fore by a current port commissioner is actually relieving to, to many of us and restores a little of my faith uh, in our shared humanity for this extremely untenable situation. So please do pass this resolution as it stands unanimously. And thank you very much for allowing me to comment, especially when I was having technical difficulties. Thank you, Anne. We were glad that we could hear you. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Thank you. Our next speaker is Mayor Tracy Buxton. Madam Mayor, if you would please repeat your name for the record and your topic, please. Thank you. Well, at first I want to make a joke. Beyonce, that's why you've been wearing cowboy boots all week. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tracy Buxton, Mayor of Des Moines. I'm here to support Order 2024-04. 
uh, asks for sound insulation and repair for residents in my community. So I'm here because I care about my community. I'm here because even though many people, I included, choose to live here, uh, we're still being challenged by increasing airport impacts, right, of different kinds. So some people say the planes are quieter, but there's more of them. Some people say the planes are safer, but now we know that there's dangerous particles coming from them. So I'm here because the people in my city also take the lion's share of the impacts in bringing a vibrant economy to the whole county, and we receive relatively little for it in the comparison. So I want to say I appreciate Commissioner Muhammad's response to the community in bringing this forward. And I also appreciate that she worked hard to uh, create a listening session to get some more, just to refine this ask and ask for more input from the community. Very conscientious, appreciate that. This order also works in tandem with legislation that's actively being brought forward in Olympia. Uh, working with the advocacy we're feeling from our legislative coalitions in the 30th and the 33rd. So most importantly though, it's particularly responsive to the needs of our diverse community in my city. So thank you, Commissioner Mohammed, for bringing this forward, and I hope that your colleagues agree with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Buxton. And I uh, do wear cowboy boots, and I'm so glad Beyonce went number one for uh, two country songs. <laughs> Clerk Hart, please do call the next speaker. Thank you. This is Council Member J.C. Harris. JC, if you would please repeat your name for the record and your topic, please. Good afternoon. My name is JC Harris. I'm here on behalf of SeaTac Noise. Um, so, um, you know, this is actually a historic day. Um, you're going to like this. Um, this is the first time in decades the port has spent its own money without compulsion to do something for airport communities, the straight line to the concerns that they have most, the noise and the pollution. Could have been done by previous commissions. You're doing it. Take the W, not kidding here. Doing this voluntarily is a big deal. We like the language in 2404, and I want to, uh, before we all get swelled heads, um, point out one, the key word is pilot. This is a tryout, okay? We all know that there is a bigger issue, and this, think of this as the startup capital, and we are all well motivated to make this a really good audition so that the problem can be addressed by you-know-who. Um, so we'll all work together, uh, and that's why we will continue to nag a bit on the technical implementation. And one detail on that, because uh, we bust a lot of myths. Um, I've heard from congressmen on down about, you know, these things wear out. Give me a couple of seconds here. You're also going to like this. They don't wear out. 
a quality port package should last many decades. Full stop. Okay, if your <laughs> windows broke down in 10 years or whatever, okay, you got the wrong system from the wrong people. And I'm telling you this because the port now does a really good job. So by supporting this, you can be sure that the updates that you provide are going to provide excellent service for many generations of future homeowners in the most diverse and heavily impacted area of South King County. This is the equity and you will, you Brett should Pine. feel really, really good about this. Thank you. Thank you, Council Member J.C. Harris. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Thank you, Madam Commissioner President. Apologies, I'm not sure why the, I shared what sound, it just didn't sound. So I, I tried to share again, hopefully it'll work this time. Um, our next speaker is Denise Utley. Denise, please repeat your name for the record and your agenda item or topic related to the conduct of court business. Thank you. My name's Denise Utley and I'm here uh, to speak with regard to 2024-04, uh, the Seattle Port Noise Remedy Program. And if I may, before you start my clock, I just want to draw to your attention that I'm the one that has spammed your email with a longer version of my prepared comments. Okay. Um, and I only draw it to your attention because there's photographs in there that I would be happy for you to see since we are not able to show them um, in here today. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. My port package was installed in February of the year 2000. My home was built in 1959 for the record. The port at that time paid $44,000 for my port package. The port contracted window manufacturer at that time for myself and for hundreds of us was a company called Alpine Windows. Five months after my installation, in July of 2000, Alpine, Window, Alpine Windows declared bankruptcy and our warranty on our wonderful expensive windows was gone. $44,000 for one home. My windows began failing within three years. The failure included fogged glass, mold, leaking water, and water damage to my wood framing and my drywall. This is not to be considered normal wear and tear. By the year 2007, this issue had blown up enough that several of us and our windows were even featured on King 5 Evening News in a segment titled Port Under Fire, and again on King 5's Upfront with Robert Mack show. In summary, the port contracted these manufacturers. The port picked the list of contractors. The port paid $44,000 of someone's money for this for just my home. But the port unfortunately didn't stand behind any of it. I have now had to pay out of pocket to have several of my port windows replaced. And the replacement I would note is downgraded because I can't afford the special noise rated glass that these windows were made out of, nor is it easy to get windows made with that glass. I still have many more windows to go that I can't even see out of. Again, I refer you to those pictures I sent you. <laughs> I do understand that the program's quality and oversight has evolved greatly since then and is much improved. Your support will finally provide help to all of us who weren't so lucky way back then by rectifying the damage done to our homes and it will enable the port to finally make this bad situation right for us. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comments. Clark Hart, please call the next speaker. 
Thank you. Our next speaker is Barbara McMichael. Barbara, if you would repeat your name for the record and your topic, please. Thank you. Um, my name is Barbara McMichael. I'm going to be speaking about the Port Package 202404. Um, I'm a resident of Des Moines. I grew up uh, in what eventually incorporated as the city of SeaTac, so I'm a longtime committed community resident. Um, I do have a port package, and um, uh, it's just beginning to fail. I'm here to, but I'm here to thank you today for taking the issue of failing port packages seriously. And I think that um, we all understand that the package that is in the legislature right now won't be enough to cover all of the window issues that need to be attended to. But I appreciate your acknowledgement of the problem, and I think um, all of us working together is going to be a good first step in the right direction to address what has been an ongoing problem for many of my neighbors. President Mohammed, I have four sentences about the North SeaTac Park issue. I, I'd request your permission so I don't have to go down to the pier to speak on them. Sure. Thank you kindly. Okay. Even though I live south of SeaTac Airport, I joined the defenders of North SeaTac Park shortly after it formed and became a member of the steering committee. We're still determined to see a positive outcome uh, regarding preserving that important um, parcel of forested land and the essential bog called Tub Lake. But my colleagues in that group agreed with me that the mission needs to expand. Tree canopy in all of our airport adjacent communities has been decimated by airport related um, developments as well as airport specific developments. So we have transformed into defenders of Highline Forest. Mm -hmm. So I wanted you to know that we're interested in a robust land stewardship plan. Um, we're interested in prioritizing um, healthy forest restoration as well as just tree uh, replacement. And we remain very concerned about the SAMP. There, all in under two minutes. Thank you kind of You did time. excellent. Thank you so much. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Thank you. Our next speaker is Michelle Esquira. Michelle, if you would please repeat your name for the record and your agenda item or topic related to the conduct of port business, please. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Oh, good. Yes. yes. All right. A lot to say. I had to make sure. <laughs> I'm Michelle Esquira. I'm Dacia Foreman for the Port of Seattle's Aviation Electric Shop. I'm here in port business uh, to discuss port business around uh, contract negotiations. Um, our electricians are being paid less than fifth-year apprentices, and I'm wondering why the port thinks that my 20 years of experience as an electrical worker is worth less than someone who doesn't even have an electrical license. Please pay me what I've earned. Few, if any other airports, ask their electricians to be versed in as many systems as we are demanded to, me, to be. Due to the port's aggressive expansion and race to be the first to adopt new innovations, we have complicated systems that sometimes do not exist anywhere else on the planet. Yet our electricians are expected to know how to run them, how to fix them, and how to keep them from destroying the efficiency of our trade and travel, sometimes with an adequate training or no training at all, and we have to teach ourselves on your behalf. So pay us what we've earned. Electricians outside are being paid a package of 20 plus more an hour than we are, and they're not even really outside. They're here within our perimeter gates working on the airport's endless expansion. You pay electrical contractors, which means you pay other electricians at this port a package of 20 plus more an hour more than us. And having an O-1 license is what determines their base pay. 
um, we all in the electrical maintenance shop have O1 licenses. Where is our base pay? Pay us what we've earned. We are spread too thin because staffing is not matching the expansion, and we are still expected to maintain millions of pieces of equipment worth billions. We are the experts you depend on. Our livelihoods are worth more than technological progress. Our families are worth more than risking our safety for the looming danger that understaffing fosters. Our workers are worth more than IAF monuments or other public displays of wealth that the port is constantly pushing out. Pay us what we've earned. Commissioners, director, I implore you to listen. Please hear us. Can you hear the field crews, boilers, lampers, conveyor, jet bridge OEs, painters, carpenters, ETs, electricians? We are the port. We are your community. We are your greatest asset. Please invest in us. Pay us what we've earned. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comments. Clerk Hart, next speaker, please. Thank you. Our next speaker is Maria Batiola. Maria, if you would please restate your name for the record and your agenda item or topic related to the conduct of port business, please. It's so wonderful to see the commissioners in person. Uh, we miss you. Uh, my name is Maria Batiola, and I'm here to speak on res uh, resolution order 2024 number four. It is a breath of fresh air to see you take this initiative to collaborate with Washington State to establish a port mitigation and equity fund. Um, I chair Beacon Hill Council and our community is so supportive of what you're doing to be able to help those most in need, particularly with the use of the equity index. We're also very happy and want to tell you about the meaning and significance, particularly in February, which is Black History Month, that the word equity isn't just for those who've had it to be fixed, but the people who are impacted. As you well know, there's considerable majority of people of color residents. This is where they can buy, this is where they can create home, raise their families, and those families have children. Those families have elders. Those families have people with asthma. So this port package is beyond a contractual assistance. It comes from a place of compassion for the health and lives of the people most impacted. We support you. Please pass this unanimously. I know Commissioner Hasegawa is online. I'm just so delighted that she is going to be part of this historic moment. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Maria, for your comments. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Yes, our next speaker is Megan Slade. And Megan, if you would repeat your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of port business or your agenda item, and hopefully I pronounced your name properly. You did just great. Great, thank yeah. you. Um, hi, my name is Megan Slade. I'm here um, to support neighbors um, with the passage of uh, 2024-04. Um, I am a resident in Beacon Hill. Um, I live under the flight path and uh, have children who experience respiratory and neurodevelopmental challenges. I'm here today with my own respiratory challenges um, and many families in my neighborhood uh, have health health concerns that um, uh, are important. Um, professionally, I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I work in perinatal mental health with um, families with pregnancies, babies, young children. 
Um, I'm especially concerned about the unique vulnerability of these growing minds and bodies, the information we have about um, aircraft air and noise pollution on respiratory health, cardiovascular, neurodevelopmental and out adverse birth outcomes, including preterm birth and low birth weight. Um, our airport impacted communities want and deserve to be in healthy environments. Um, and, uh, and, those, and those who are most vulnerable especially are dependent on our leaders and the port to um, provide the resources that, that address those health inequities. Um, so thank you so much for um, bringing this important resolution 2024-04 um, so we have the opportunity to do so. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comments. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Yes, our next speaker is Geraldine Chambers. Geraldine, if you would please repeat your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of port business or your agenda item. Um, my name is Geraldine Chambers. I'm a uh, I'm speaking in support of uh, uh, resolution 2024-04. I'm a 42-year resident of Beacon. Hill, which has a very uh, diverse demographic um, group, and I think this is a matter of fairness. And uh, we get the flight path not just from SeaTac, but in my area also from King County Airport. So we're pretty impacted, and I'm just uh, want to express my support on behalf of many of my neighbors who might not have been able to come to a daytime meeting. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments as well. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Thank you. Our next speaker is Linda Wong. Linda, please repeat your name for, your, for the record and your topic related to the conduct of port business or the agenda item. Thank you. Hello, my name is Linda Wong. Um, I am here to show support for 2024-04. Um, a long-term resident of Beacon Hill. Both my parents and I own older homes, so we understand what it's like to live underneath the flight path and the impacts of that, And so, uh, which is why I'm here to uh, show support for my neighbors. That's it. Thank you so much for your comments. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Thank you. Our last speaker signed up today is Heather Morton. Heather, I'm sure you've heard me say it 13 times, um, but please go ahead and repeat your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of port business or your agenda item. Hi, Heather Morton, um, flight paths and noise pollution. Hi, I live in Maple Leaf area and um, I am calling for the port of Seattle and the commissioners and all the work together to change the flight paths, with, uh, to consult with the FAA to change the flight paths. Um, I think we all know that SeaTac is too small for the amount of airlines and air capacity coming into these three runways that only go north and south. Um, so if we want to look for solutions here and be proactive about these things in the future, going into the future, and as, as, as well as the airport future, which is going to be increasing capacity, I think um, the, and there's a lopsided amount of investment going on here with International Wing and the airport malls but not the runways. And I think that the Port of Seattle should look at the runway construction. And if I could just show the port, these are the approach patterns right now. And with just the runways going north and south, and with the no-fly zone over this area here, um, I was in 
communication with Mr. Tom Fagerstrom, and I talked to an Alaska airline pilot, and my understanding is that they have a no-fly zone over, they're not to turn south of the 520 bridge on this side of Seattle, but they do over here. And so I live up here in Maple Leaf area, and I, no matter which direction the airplanes come, they come over the northeast Seattle. Um, the corridor of 15th Avenue Northeast gets, sometimes I've had three or four plane, three planes over my house at the same time. They come every four minutes. And I, I don't have a port package, but obviously it needs to pass because this factory is getting too big and it's increasing capacity beyond its, its capacity. And so we need to get solutions here from the ground up, either build another airport or change these flight paths. If you, a runway would be constructed to go north-south like Boeing Field, they could approach over Elliott Bay. And I think you could like, exponentially reduce the noise and impact over neighborhoods. Think about other solutions. Thank you for your comments. Thank Appreciate you. It. Clerk Hart, you said that was our last comment. So that concludes our signups for today. Is there anyone pres um, else present on the team's call or present in the room today who did not sign up but wishes to address the commission at this time? Okay. Hearing none, I'll move us along. At this time, I'll ask Clerk Hart to please give a synopsis of any written comments that we have received. Thank you, Madam Commission President, members of the Commission, Executive Director Metric. We have received 11 written comments for the meeting today. These have been previously distributed to your emails and will become a part of this meeting's record. The first comment comes from Brian Davis, Vice Chair of the Burien Airport Committee, supporting the adoption of Order Number 2024-04. Derek Dexheimer also writes in support of order number 2024-04, noting the benefits that will provide for disadvantaged families in near airport communities who suffer disproportional impacts. Laura Gibbons writes also supporting order number 2024-04 to begin to address the harms caused by planes flying in and out of SeaTac. Bree Glinklid writes in support of order 2024-04, noting the impacts they feel regarding airplane noise living in the central district in Seattle and noting the increased impacts to those living closer to SEA. Rosemary Moore also writes in support of order 2024-04 noting efforts of the port toward mitigating severe noise and air pollution and other harms to local communities caused by airplanes in and out of SEA. Janet Quinn writes to support Port Economic Development grant funding for 2024, noting that the funds are a huge help to cities as they seek to grow their business communities. Julie Saul writes to urge adoption of Order 2024-04, noting harmful impacts to those living under the flight path. Sinea Nagusi, council member for the city of SeaTac, writes to support Order 2024-04, speaking to the noise and air quality impacts of flights felt by the concentrated group of residents near the airport stating that this is an equity issue. She writes that the pilot program will improve the health and quality of life for some of the most diverse communities in the state of Washington. And then Denise Atli, Mohammed Egal, and JC Harris all submitted written comments supporting their spoken comments here today. And that concludes the written comments received. Thank you, Clerk Hart. Hearing no further public testimony, we'll move on to the consent agenda at this time. Items on the consent agenda are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion. 
items removed from the consent agenda will be considered separately immediately after adoption of the remaining consent agenda items. At this time, the chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda covering items 8A, 8B, and 8C. Do I have a motion? So moved. Second. Great. The motion has been made and seconded. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called for approval of the consent agenda. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cha. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for this item. The motion passes. Thank you. Moving on in the agenda, we have two new business items today. Clerk Hart, please read the first item into the record, then Executive Director Metric will introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 10A, order number 2024-04, an order setting a timeline for the completion of the assessment of prior sound insulated properties, creating a sound insulation repair and replacement pilot program, and setting equity guidelines for this program. Commissioners, as part of the Port of Seattle's long-term commitment to communities surrounding the airport, the port offers sound insulation for eligible properties within the current FAA-approved noise remedy boundary. Commissioner adopted motion 2020-04 to accelerate and complete this work by the end of 2026. The pilot program created by this order will assess prior insulated, uh, insulated properties and commit funding for construction, planning, repair, and replacement of sound insulation in homes identified and prioritized through the port's equity-driven process. Upon completion of the pilot program, a comprehensive report shall be presented to commissioners, Washington State, and federal legislators for evaluation and further action. Uh, presenters on this are uh, Tyler Emsky, uh, Commission's Strategic Advisor, and Aaron Pritchard, uh, Chief of Staff for the Commission, is available as well. So I'll turn it over to Tyler. Thank you, Executive Director Metric, and good afternoon, Commissioners. My name is Tyler Emsky, and I have the pleasure of serving as a strategic advisor in the Commission office. I'm honored to play a small role today and potentially make an, a little history as I read the text of this order for your consideration. I should note that uh, since this order was brought to the February 13th Commission meeting, we conducted a listening session and made changes to this order in response to community and stakeholder input. So without further ado, here is the current text of the order. The Port Commission hereby orders an assessment regarding the effectiveness of previously installed Port of Seattle funded noise insulation packages be conducted and concluded by the end of the year 2024. The assessment will involve extensive outreach, collection of information from property owners, and analysis of that information. Results of that assessment shall be delivered to the Commission by January 21st, 2025. The Commission also directs the establishment of a sound insulation repair and replacement pilot program at the Port of Seattle to identify the issues involved in the repair and reinstallation of prioritized homes. Effective immediately, the Commission authorizes an initial commitment of up to $5 million to be used exclusively for the costs of administering the program to carry out the activities related to the construction planning and construction repair and replacement of sound insulation in homes identified and prioritized through the Port's process. The port will seek state matching funds and federal grant funding, if available, as well. The commission hereby sets the goal of completing the assessment phase and beginning the construction planning and or construction phase of this pilot program in the year 2025. 
The Commission also authorizes the Executive Director to execute any and all contracts and documents necessary for the assessment directed by this order and the Sound Insulation Repair and Replacement Pilot Program, including but not limited to the use of existing job order contracts, port crews, purchasing contracts, service agreements, construction contracts, agreements with private property owners, and the acquisition of any property rights associated with the Sound Insulation Repair and Replacement Pilot Program. The total budget authorized by this order is $6.5 million uh, for the assessment directed by this order and the Sound Insulation Repair and Replacement Pilot Program. The port shall use its equity index or other data-driven tool developed by the Port's Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, as well as other program criteria, to identify and prioritize properties that will be part of this limited pilot program. The equity index shall help determine who should receive priority consideration for repair and or replacement of their noise insulation during the pilot. Upon completion of the pilot program, a comprehensive report shall be presented to commissioners, Washington state and federal legislators for uh, evaluation and further action. That concludes the text of the order. So there was a lot of very long sentences in there, but I'll just go ahead and go back there and summarize. Uh, this order basically does five things, uh, all for the first time in the port's history. One, it requires an assessment of the effectiveness of noise insulation in homes that previously received port-funded noise insulation packages. Two, it creates a pilot program that funds the actual repair and replacement of insulation in homes that are determined to need this work. Three, it fast-tracks the program by setting ambitious deadlines and pre-authorizing the executive director to enter into any contracts needed to do this work. Four, it directs staff to use an equity-driven process to prioritize homes for reinsulation. And finally, it calls for a report which will be to be compiled at the completion of the pilot program, which will be presented to federal and state uh, partners so they can better understand the needs of this population. And with that summary, I will hand it back over to Commission President Mohammed. Thank you, Mr. Emski, for reading the text into the record. And thank you, um, Mr. Metric, for also introducing the item. Is there a motion and a second to adopt item 10A so that we can open up the floor for discussion? So moved. Second. So moved. Seconded. <laughs> echo, echo. That one totally goes to me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you both. <laughs> the motion was made and seconded. Um, I'll open up the floor for discussion at this time. Commissioner Hasegawa, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, thank you so much. Well, I'm really excited about this for a number of reasons. And um, I guess I'll speak... Um, first and foremost on um, on the study and how I'm so glad to hear that we're going to finally get an actual assessment and understanding of sort of the scope um, of the impact. Um, and I feel like it really positions us to have that information to be able to lead, to lead and being able to go back to our partners at the state and let them know um, exactly what it is uh, that it's going to take in order to to, to get all of this resolved um, and to be able to lead our partners um, in the federal government also to be able to be part of the solution. So um, I, um, I'm really excited about the study. I'm really excited about the funding um, itself, the five million towards beginning to address this. And yes, it, as a pilot, I couldn't agree with Councilmember um, Harris Moore, um, uh, when he says, you know, a pilot signals that this is the first step, but that there's going to be subsequent action. And so I think that this resolution actually 
um, nods towards the need for subsequent action. Um, and as a first step, this is something that all of us can be incredibly proud of. Um, President Mohammed, your leadership on this has been um, exceptional. Uh, thank you so much for um, the work that you've done to make sure that this resolution is in the place that it needs to be to be as strong as possible. Um, because at the end of the day, this is about the impacted community members who deserve more from all of us. So as somebody who lives under the flight path, but not um, does not experience it to the extremity that those um, in CTAC and the, the, the most extreme conditions, and according to DNL, um, yeah, you know, my experience doesn't compare to that. Um, I'm really glad to see this action come before the commission. And so thank you all so much. And thank you to my colleagues for the thought partnership. Thank you so much to the commission staff to make sure that I was kept in the loop um, while I'm, I'm still on leave and um, making sure that all of us are being proactive contributors towards, towards, this, um, towards this problem and the solution. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Hasegawa, for your comments. Since they beat you to the motion in the second, I figured I'd start with you. So thank you for those comments. Any additional comments or discussions from my colleagues? Commissioner Fellman? Well, I appreciate very much the leadership of our president and also of the, of the citizens of the, of the communities that surround the airport. We certainly have heard for a long time about this. And, but, you know, Commissioner Mohammed was... Uh, trying to get this done in previous year. But the, I, the issue has been going on for a long time. And uh, while JC might catch a little flack for his persistence, he definitely reminds me as when I sat on that side of the table. And it's the only way things get done sometimes. But you're more than just complaining. You were helping us identify houses. And I appreciate the work that you've done. Uh, I do also appreciate staff trying to rise to this occasion and trying to deal with this uh, challenge that we've had. and. Um, I don't envy you. I don't consider this a small task, but I think it is one that's worthy of our effort and appreciate the, uh, the, the funding that's necessary to get it done. And uh, Tyler, for your ongoing help in getting it over the finish line. And uh, yes, it'll be some portion of precedent-setting moment here that I'm glad that you can share with us. So once again, thank you for your leadership and look forward to passing this resolution. Thank you, Commissioner Fellerman. Commissioner A couple of questions. Um, Tyler, do you know, and maybe we could refer to some of our SMEs here as well, uh, roughly how much it costs to install a new package? Let's say there's a single family home somewhere in the 65 DNL, and they, you know, I know there's a few out there, we're still working, negotiating with the homeowner. Roughly how much does it cost to, to, to do the initial insulation of the house? So currently to conduct the Please flood. introduce yourself. Oh, oh, thank you. Is your uh, mic on to just make sure? I believe it's on. Uh, Sarah Cox, Director of Aviation Environment and Sustainability. Uh, currently it costs between $100,000 and $150,000 per home to conduct the full range of acoustic analysis because it does require design going through the building department. So it is an extensive effort and also um, you know, the time that it takes to go through that process as well. Uh, so how, one of the things as we're conducting these assessments that I want staff to be thinking about and, and uh, engaging in 
conversations with the community about is, is repair and replacement the only option? Or could a homeowner choose, for instance, uh, similar to say like an insurance claim, to take a cash payout and choose to do something different? Let's say, you know, with their house, let's say it's older housing stock, and they want to use that to uh, finance the reconstruction of an entire home with triple plane windows and insulation. I'd be really interested, Councilmember Harris, in, in your perspective on this, providing a potential beneficiary of, of this program more options than simply, you know, reinstallation of uh, insulation package. I'm, I know our legal department is yeah. <laughs> screaming. Yeah, and, and that I, is, like, as we look at the different funding mechanisms and uh, implementation approaches, we're looking at all of those those options and it will be vetted with the different um, legal and other departments um, I, that we I want us to to you know I think it's important to kind of step back and say there's an opportunity actually here to, to create real value for that homeowner in a way that if we constrain it to a very limited repair and replacement program uh, they could get a to a better overall outcome in if you know given the right circumstances while at the same time not stranding people with a, a sort of um, very difficult to manage process if they're yep. not interested in that so. thank you for that feedback yeah. I, the reason I asked the question is $150,000 it could represent in some of these cases a third or 40% of the value of the house currently on the market right now so you know I, I want us to think about what that can mean if it if it were not just limited to, um, you know, a contractor coming in that is overseen by the air. Yeah, and I would like to note that it's, it extends beyond the windows and doors. Often it includes uh, heating and ventilation upgrades as well as electrical panel upgrades because uh, a, a lot, they're integrated in, as we go through um, the evaluation of what is needed uh, to meet the sound insulation requirements. Thank you. Commissioner Toad. Commissioner I, I did want to just clarify that, you know, I, what the question was, um, I, I just want to make sure it, it's the full package replacement is what you suggested, the assessment and the replacement, not just the assessment, right? That's the full re Yeah, so that's, mm -hmm. so just, I just, this part, we're just trying to figure out how big a problem is it, right? So the initial cost of, to doing the acoustic assessment do you have a ballpark on what that would be? Currently, I believe it is to do the acoustic assessments. It's between four and five thousand dollars per home. Thank you. And and it's conceivable also that you know from starting from scratch, which is what we still have some homes to do with the FAA paying eighty percent of it. Um, these the whatever failures may occur would not be the whole home. So the hundred and twenty to hundred fifty thousand is unlikely to be the cost. <coughs> for a fix versus a, a brand new thing. But I also just as you pointed out, and I think it's a very important point, but in addition to the quieting, obviously it's also a heating reduction. It's a greenhouse gas benefit, but also because the HVAC is involved, um, this, you get the concomitant benefits of air quality uh, conceivable as part of that thing. So really the holistic benefit to the community uh, could be more than just the the noise and um the cost to the port and or whoever we can get to leverage matches with 
is unlikely to be 120 per home, but that will have to be assessed on a case-by-case -case exactly. basis. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so um, hearing no further questions or comments from my colleagues, I do want to provide a couple comments myself. Um, I'm really excited to be moving this item forward today. Um, I joined the port less about two years ago, a little over two years, and um, sound installation has been a top priority for me. I live in South King County. Um, I have firsthand understandings of the challenges of living near not only an airport, but also lots of transportation facilities, highways, and understand how that can create a lot of compounded issues for community members who live in those particular communities. And so um, this has been a, a top priority issue. I also just want to give credit where credit is due. Um, before I even joined the Port of Seattle, there has been a tremendous amount of good work that has happened um, at the Port of Seattle to help be a good neighbor um, to the residents of South King. Um, obviously, there's a lot of progress that has been made, and there still is room to make more improvements, which I think this particular um, order today exemplifies that. Um, and, you know, I, I think for me today, this is a bold statement. It is us putting um, further actions into being the best neighbor that we can be at the Port of Seattle. And um, I, I want to say thank you to the staff that will be taking on this new order. And um, I also recognize that it is challenging. Um, the $5 million is exclusively for construction, repair, and replacement. Um, that is something that I heard clearly from the community members who participated in our listening sessions for us to be explicit in that way. That was always the goal and the intent. And so um, I was happy that we could update that language and include it in the order and be very specific. Um, I also just want to express gratitude to um, both our, our, our federal partners as well. Um, Senator Patty Murray, uh, Congressman Adam Smith, they both have a treatment, sound installation, repair, and replacement act on the federal level. Um, we have signed on to that. We've supported it. Um, and this order actually mirrors that legislation. Um, and they've provided comments in support of our order today. Um, last summer, I did travel to, or it was April of 2023, to D.C., and we advocated um, to our uh, legislators and um, even the, the FAA uh, leadership as well. In fact, most recently we had the FAA administrator, Michael, um, his last name I'm blanking on now, Michael Whitaker, who just ca who came down to uh, Seattle and visited the airport. And he was, um, this was one of the issues that we also brought to his attention as well. So, you know, I think for, for me, this is an issue that we are obviously taking a proactive step in addressing, but it is one that we really do need leadership and partnership at the federal level, at the state level, um, and it needs also the commission to also take it on and, and be supportive, and we're showing that, but it, it really does need collaborative work for us to be able to work as a collective to help address some of the most pressing issues that we hear from residents who are closest to the uh, airport and so again, I just want to thank staff. I want to thank uh, the residents of South King County who have voiced their concerns for many years, even before I joined uh, the commission and um, appreciate them being a part of the public process. 
Um, and that concludes my comments. And so I will move us along and we can proceed to the vote. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Commissioners say aye or nay when your name is called. Thank you. Um, I'm going to start this one with Commissioner Mohammed as well. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for this item. Wonderful. The motion passes. Thank you. Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. Executive Director Metric will then introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 10B, introduction of resolution number 3819, a resolution adopting the 2021 editions of the International Building Mechanical Fire Energy Conservation and Fuel Gas Codes, the 2021 edition of the Uniform Plumbing Code, and the editorial changes made to the State Building Code by the Washington State Legislature, and repealing resolution number 3783 as amended. Commissioners. The Washington State Building Code is usually updated on a three-year cycle, but the pandemic and other issues delayed the 2021 adoption. Some changes to the code include ma matters related to accessibility, mass timber, and various definitions. Staff will highlight some of the changes in, in the process for development during this presentation, and will seek adoption on the consent agenda at the March 12th meeting. So we have uh, Pat Lawler, Senior Manager, Airport Building Department. Pat, you have a short presentation, I believe, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Muhammad, or Commission President Muhammad, Commissioners, and Executive Director Steve Metrick. So, yes, what we have is something fairly simple. I come before you for the adoption of the 2021 International Building Codes with, with the Washington State Amendments. Those are also uh, known as the Washington State Building Codes. So the, the codes are part of the international family of codes and standards to be adopted by the commission with an implementation date of March 15th, 2024, which is in line with the state's requirements. So we, we don't really have an option on, can, or put it like this, if we want to continue to have our own building department, we have to adopt the state's building codes. That It's not... Uh, it's a requirement, not an option, and not optional. So what the building codes are, they're, they're the best practices, modern technology, and lessons learned that are incorporated into new cycles of the building codes that normally occur every three years. With the pandemic and, and with some lawsuits that occurred, it's, it's about a, almost five years. We're almost two years later than it would normally occur. So I strongly encourage the commission to uh, uh, give any feedback that they'd like to, but to also to uh, adopt and, and uh, incorporate the code into our system. So the building codes, there's a number of them. They're listed on the PowerPoint. I don't think I got to mention each one to you, but I certainly can if you'd like. But they're standard. They're, the, the, uh, the resolution you have before you is just a continuation of about seven or eight resolutions that came before with each new adoption for the different building code cycles. The State Building Code uh, is developed by the State Building Code Council, which is a group of, uh, of people that volunteer and are 
appointed by state legislature. There's architects, engineers, uh, code enforcement people, jurisdictions, manufacturers, contractors. So a lot of different people have a lot of different say, and they, they you know, roll up their sleeves, and they have um, uh, technical advisory groups that discuss and go over the different items that are maybe a little more specific to the state that they'd like to see tweaked. The state has the uh, uh, basically the most stringent energy code in the whole United States. And uh, uh, the, the recent international codes have kind of uh, used some of our modeling and some of our, our uh, requirements that we have. We're still stricter by our state amendments than the International Energy Conservation Code, but it, it's something that we can see every month on our utility bills, and it helps with uh, you know, the, the type of construction for the area that we're in. We also are involved with an interlocal agreement with uh, the city of SeaTac. That's where, so the state gives the power to the municipalities and the uh, city of SeaTac through the interlocal agreement gives us the power to be able to have what we call our own authority having jurisdiction, which is the building department and the fire department. And so we are tasked not only by the state, but with our agreement with the, the city of SeaTac to enforce the building and fire codes that, uh, that are listed in our uh, resolution. So uh, uh, Steve had mentioned a couple of examples of what, uh, what uh, might have happened to the new building code, the 2021 codes, because a lot of times you'll hear designers say, oh, that's going to cost a lot more money when we go through this code cycle change. This one, not so much. There's a few things like ADA turning radius and, and a little more room for the powered uh, um, wheelchairs that they need just a little more room. So newer buildings, say existing buildings, we don't have to change it, but as we build newer buildings or remodel, you touch it, you bring it up to code, so then we'll have these new standards and codes. But uh, you know, one of the things that the IBC includes is uh, mass timber as a code provision. And that was, the, the state had it in last cycle as, a, as an amendment, now it's straight in the ICC. So it's a generally accepted standard, and who knows, if we build a, a new building, we might want to consider that mass timber, which is, you know, massive wood buildings that can go up to 14 stories tall. So, and then, uh, well, I think that pretty much covers it. Short and sweet. Thank you for the presentation. Um, this is an important item, and while it's maybe routine, it's really important that, that you're bringing this forward to the commission. Are there any questions uh, to staff from commissioners at this time? Just just a comment to say, uh, I've learned that if I have a dinner party and I want my guests to leave, I'll just bring up the building code. Everybody cleared out right <laughs> when we started this topic. Oh, here, <laughs> I got No, I think it's fascinating. But, um, no, I, the one thing I was going to say is, um, in my day job, uh, there's a whole, I work at one of the national laboratories, and there's an entire section of our lab that focuses on um, building code changes because of how impactful they are. and and working with groups like the, the technical advisory group to put together these incredibly complex science-based um, uh, guidelines for how we build buildings. And, and um, I know it seems like insignificant, but these changes can mean enormous cost savings, enormous safety and security improvements, uh, things like just you wouldn't even notice, but that make things so much easier, whether it's in terms of accessibility or building maintenance or um, or up to things like fire and earthquake. So 
I'm really appreciative of this work. I'm, uh, I know it's uh, a perfunctory thing we're doing, but I, I do like to highlight that it is very important work. Thank you for that. Commissioner Feltman. I always thought it was interesting that we had like greater uh, insulation requirements in Alaska. <laughs> when you say well, we set the nation's standards, I think that's, uh, we're proud of that. But what I don't understand is why do we have to adopt it? If the state has a building code, why do we have to, uh, why isn't it just a requirement that we have to live with? That's a good question. I asked that when I started here. The fire guy <laughs> said, I don't think we need to, but legal was the one that said, yeah, even though the state <laughs> requires it and, and our interlocal agreement with the city of SeaTac makes us do it anyway, uh, it, it seemed like the right thing to do and it's been done for the last 20 years here. Uh, yeah. Legal probably can comment. I, I can add in. Just there's to, some, there's uh, some risk yeah. there. <laughs> no, there's no risk. <laughs> if we don't adopt it, there is. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, no, you have the, the floor. Uh, local jurisdictions have control. Is over your mic on? I thought it was on. I think it is. It was. No. It, yeah. <laughs> Pete, Pete Rambles, general counsel. Um, uh, local jurisdictions are in control of their own land use and building codes, and so they each have to adopt their own, even if it's mandated by state. And they have the ability to change things a little bit as well, so there is some discretion. Can I point out that the changes that we could do as a local building department usually are administrative, but if we wanted to make something more serious, we'd have to go to the state building code to council for approval of that, and you can never make it less restrictive than what the building code is. Great. Okay, so hearing no further discussions, thank you for the presentation again. Okay, thank you for your time. Absolutely. Hearing no further questions for this item, is there a motion and a second to adopt agenda item 10B? Toshko, you want this one? <laughs> so moved. <laughs> so moved. <laughs> second. The motion has been made and seconded. <laughs> Clerk Hart, please call the I roll. I got this five-second delay working against me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Hasegawa, I still gave that one to you as the maker of the motion. Um, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Why, thank you. <laughs> Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for this item. The motion passes. Well, that was a short agenda. That concludes our business meeting agenda for the day. Are there any closing comments at this time or motions related to committee, committee referrals from commissioners at this time? Commissioner Feldman. I, I just wanted to talk, speak to briefly the one item we had on consent was the uh, adoption of the international agenda. And, um, and I, I'm very fond of the fact that we now include this in our, in our program, but one of the things that I'm always sensitive to is um, not to be totally deferring to international standards. International standards are very often uh, the least common denominator. What can you get a developing nation to adopt? And certainly it's very clear in the IMO this is a great challenge in having you know, port states and uh, flag states trying to all agree on something. And so one of the things I'm very proud, while we have to be cognizant that that's the pool that we play in, one of the things I'm very proud about the port is that we have been very clever in the ways in which we have leveraged our position as a business. And having a client, uh, a tenant like a ship calling on our port 
you know, calling, you know, having cruise ships being required to plug in. These are things that are not an obligation at the world level, but things that we do. So I, I just, I just think it's um, important to note that we are participants in the international arena, but we are not limited to what they're calling for. And so I just, I think the there was one sentence here. Say, we have limited control over the commercial aircraft and maritime vessels that utilize our gateway. Yes, we have limited, but we are not uh, excluded. So I appreciate the the ability to adopt this agenda. I just don't want it to be um, too deferential. Thank you. I figured that's noted. <laughs> um, any additional comments? Executive Director Metric, do you have any closing comments for the evening or the no. day? President, I do not. Thank you. Um, so hearing no further comments and having no further business, if there is no objections, we are adjourned at this time, and the time is 1.40. Thank you all. <laughs>